question as we wrap up our series today called Solomon Says. We've been looking through the book of Proverbs. Some of you may be thinking, well, we're only on Proverbs 10. Well, I'll get to that in a minute, how we're wrapping up the book. But let me ask you this question. Have you had certain phrases along your lifetime that have kind of been picked up along the way? Maybe stuff that your family used to say or maybe a coach or a parent or something, and they've just kind of stuck with you. you. You had some of those. I remember being an intern. Um, we were serving at First Baptist Church in Texarkana as interns, and anytime that you're an intern, that means you get to do the stuff that nobody else wants to do, right? And so oftentimes they would look at us and they would give us a task, and the other interns and I would look at one another and we'd go, well, nothing's easy that's hard, and then we'd just start working, right? And so that's just one of those phrases. I had a coach uh, who, I mean, constantly, you'd be, you'd be waiting to come out there, and he'd already be standing there blowing a whistle. If you're not already here, you're late. If you're not already here, you're late. That sticks in my head all the time as I'm waiting on people. If you're not already here, you're late. If you're not already here, you're late. It just it, it stays with me. had another coach who would get his words confused, and he always wanted us to kill a bird twice. I don't know where that was coming from. But guys, y'all get that done, we'll kill a bird twice. And we'd go, well, I don't know how you do that. That's interesting. You know, it's just little phrases like that. I know one, a good mentor of mine taught me early on in ministry. You may have actually heard me say this one before, but it's something that uh, repeats in my head often is that there's a story behind every face. And he told me that early on. Just remember, Lindell, there's a story behind every face. And so you, you don't treat people like a number or you don't treat people like anything other than an individual creation, a beautiful creation of God. And there's a reason that people think the way they think, act the way they act, react the way they react. There's a story there. And so when things are going on, take time to get to know the story. Um, you know, we had one last week. We, Julie and I got to go away on a little vacation, and we went out to West Texas, and we took the little fun car, uh, and the speed limit out there is 80. That's a suggested speed limit, if you know what I mean, is 80. And the, the roads are a little curvy, and I looked at Julie at one point in time, and I said, man, my car's made for these roads. And she looked at me and said, but your wife is not. Slow down. <laughs> so there, there's a proverb for you. So now all the time, it's uh, car's made for this, but the wife is not. So, you know, there's phrases that you, you pick up along the way. And when you reach this point in Proverbs, I just want to tell you, the first nine chapters of Proverbs is really Solomon's introduction, if you will, to the book as he's trying to write to his, his son, the crown prince, as he's preparing to impart life wisdom to him. And the first nine chapters are just setting this up and speaking about the importance of wisdom. And then starting in chapter 10 of the book of Proverbs, it is a collection of of the Proverbs of Solomon for most of the rest of the book. There are some other things in there. And so what you have is, if you will, you have these little one-liners. You have one or two lines of a phrase that speak to a particular subject, and it's, it's absolutely wonderful. And the reason that we're actually ending our series today is because what I'm going to encourage you to do is actually read the rest of the book of Proverbs on your own in a particular way that I'll talk about here in a little bit. But as you can see how God's Word can be brought to life as you take it in in this, in this way. But 
As we began the whole series, we saw that Solomon, in the first chapter of his book, penned these words. He said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and discipline. And so the whole thing is set up with this understanding that all the wisdom that Solomon had been given, all that he had learned in life, all that he had been given from the Lord, pointed in this one direction, that it is the fear of the Lord. It is learning to put the Lord in proper place in your life, which is on the throne as Lord. It's the fear and the respect and the awe and the reverence of the Lord that we have in our life that brings us to life. It is the beginning of knowledge. And, and if we despise that wisdom and that discipline from the Lord, then it's just like acting a fool all the time. And so that is exactly why Solomon set this up. And the book of Proverbs points to the wisdom of the Lord. And as we know, the book was penned before Jesus came to the earth and gave his life, his death, his burial, and the power of his resurrection overcoming sin and death happened after Solomon had penned his book. But what you can see because of the hand of God in all these things is that the wisdom that Solomon talks about points directly to the wisdom of the Lord, which is found and known and personified in Jesus Christ. And so what we know is that Jesus is the personification of God's wisdom. And what Solomon is writing about as he used the words wisdom as he points us to life, he's actually pointing us to Jesus. And so we would say it a little bit different way now on this side of the cross than before the cross. But everything that Solomon is pointing to is pointing to the path of life, and life comes through knowing Jesus Christ. Not only does life come through knowing Jesus Christ. I want us to understand this this morning, is that Jesus offers me life both eternally and immediately. Jesus offers me life both eternally and immediately. Now, why would I choose to say it in such a way? Well, I think that for people who have been around church, and perhaps this is your first time to church, and welcome, and that's great. We're glad you're here. But I know if you've been maybe around church for a while or grown up in church or familiar with some of the things that the Bible says, what, what sometimes happens to people is that they understand completely that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, that he was born of a virgin, that he was sent to this earth by God so that he could substitute in our place, to take our place on the cross, to die as a sacrifice for the sins that we've committed, but he didn't stay in the grave. He was resurrected, and in his resurrection, it demonstrated, as I said before, his power over death and his power over sin, and that when we accept Jesus as Lord, then we also are forgiven of our sins, and we are promised eternal life. As John 3.16 puts it, perhaps the most quoted book, the most quoted verse in all the Bible. It says, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And maybe you've heard that verse before. But this eternal life that God talks about is sometimes where we live and we just kind of stay with this idea of eternal life and we ignore the fact that Jesus not only came so that we could have eternal life, but he came so that we could have immediate life as well. And sometimes it looks like this. Sometimes we, we live our life in such a way that we think, oh, 
you know, I've messed up so much in life or things are so difficult or this world is so broken and I just can't wait for the day that God comes and restores all things and, and perhaps Jesus comes again and calls us all home or maybe one day when I reach the end of this life, I'm going to pass away and then I'm going to get my reward in heaven. Now, all of those are true statements. But Jesus didn't come just so that you could trudge through this life to find life on the other side of death. Jesus came so that you can have life and have it now as well. In John 10.10, Jesus' words are, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. And you see, sometimes we think that, well, okay, I'm trusting in God for my eternal salvation, so much so to the point that we ignore the fact that he actually can help us in how to live our life today. I've seen some people at times go, well, I, you know, I know Jesus and I trust Jesus, but I just don't know how I'm going to get through tomorrow. Or, I don't know what I'm supposed to do for the rest of the day, or I don't know how I'm supposed to live now, or, you know, I'm just kind of holding on for that day way out there in the distance where God makes all things right. You need to know this, that Jesus offers life both eternally and immediately. That when we follow the words of wisdom that are in God's book, that we find the path to life. It leads us in following Christ. That's why I say it this way all the time. There is the knowing Jesus and following Jesus. It's in knowing and following Jesus that we find life. There are plenty who just know Jesus. And let's be honest, there are times that those of us who know Jesus sometimes don't follow Jesus, even with some things that we know that we're supposed to do. But it's in the knowing and the following that we find life. The knowing Jesus, I try to, I like to say it this way, it's not completely 100% accurate all the time, but it makes, it helps me remember this. It's in the knowing Jesus and accepting him as Savior that I have eternal life. It's in the following Jesus that I have immediate life. That he helps me walk each and every day to know how to navigate the difficulties of this life. And so where does that lie in the book of Proverbs, Pastor, as you're talking about this? Well, the reason I say all that is I believe that when you start in chapter 10, and honestly before that as well, but truly when you start at chapter 10 and you start moving forward in the book of Proverbs, it truly is a, a way that we answer the, well, now what do I do? Okay, I, I, I trust that Jesus is who he says he is, and I've asked him into my heart, and I know that my eternal salvation is secure, but I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. Well, I think one of the best things that you can do is start applying God's Word to your life, and one of, one of many, but one of the best and easiest ways to do that is to take the book of Proverbs and start reading at chapter 10, and just take it one phrase at a time, and when something smacks you right between the eyes, stop. <laughs> Write it down put it on a note card, and try to live it out for the rest of that day. And then the next day, just start where that one left off until something smacks you in the head again, and write that down on a note card and try to live that out. And slowly what you'll see is you are starting to turn your heart and your mind and your attitude, everything toward living out this Word of God, not just knowing Him, but actually following Him. Let me give you an example. If I just start at the first of Proverbs chapter 10, and I read it one verse at a time and take it in in all its fullness. It says this, a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son heartache to his mother. And just stop. Let that sink in. 
And then go to the next phrase, ill-gotten gains. Do not profit anyone, but righteousness rescues from death. Verse 3, the Lord will not let the righteous go hungry, but he denies the wicked what they crave. You see how it begins to be, become this collection of phrases, and, and they're, they're all interrelated, but here's the great thing about this, is that God's Word speaks to you no matter what season of life, no matter what you might be going through. It's the totality of God's Word that will guide you and direct you, but let's be honest. If I were to look at someone who just gave their heart and their life to Christ and they say, well, pastor, now what am I supposed to do? Well, you're supposed to live this book out. They would look at this book and go, that's a big book. <laughs> How do I know that? It's not like, oh, I have a problem today. Let me find the instructions in here somewhere. It's, it's like, where, where do I start? What do I do? How do I actually do this? Well, you just take it a piece at a time and you begin to adjust your life to it. You begin to live to it. Let me, let me give you this as an example. Uh, I took this out of the shower today. So there's, anybody like Costco? Anybody go to, I mean, like, my, come on. We go there, and it's like you buy this stuff in just big vats at a time, and this sits in the shower. Now, all of this is good, and all of this is useful, and all of this will keep my hair fresh and clean and all these type of things along the way. It will help. But when I get ready to actually go, Somewhere, if I were to try to take this on a plane, they would stop me <laughs> and go, sorry, you can't have this on a plane. Or if I were to try to pack this with me every time I went somewhere, I would need several suitcases that wouldn't fit all the stuff that I need to take along the way. So what I do when I get ready to go somewhere is I take that. Because I don't have a whole lot of hair up here. So this works. When I go, and I can take this with me. Now, all of this is useful, and all of this is good. But I can't use all of this at once because it's, it's just too much for me at that point in time. But this, this is good. And I can, I can put this in my pocket. I can take this with me. I can have it with me when I, it's, it's there. And so this is what I'm saying. If you're looking at this and going, I want to live this whole thing out. As a follower of Christ, I want to apply all of this to my life. I want to do that. But the truth is, it, it just doesn't work that way all the time. So where do I start? Well, start somewhere smaller. Start in a little bit different place. And what you'll see is that as you begin to take God's word and you just simply read through Proverbs until one of these just stands out to you. Here's what we did in my Bible study class today. It was awesome. There were 11 of us in the room. And I said, we're going to take five minutes, and we're going to read Proverbs chapter 10, and you're going to pick one of the verses out of the 31 verses in Proverbs chapter 10. And I want to see if anybody picks the same verse or, or what happens or what stands out. Out of the 11 people, two times did somebody pick the same verse that spoke to them for the situation that they're going through in their life or for what was standing out. Because God's word is living and active. It's alive. It speaks to us. And so that's the type of thing that you can take this and you can write it down and you can take it with you and you can say, I'm gonna, I, I, I can't use all of this today because I just can't take it all in. It's all useful. It's all good. But I'm going to take this and I'm going to live this out today. And so I would encourage you to do the same thing. Well, why? Because it answers the now what. How do I live life today? Yes, my eternity is secure, but what do I do about today? Well, today you live out what God's Word says. Why should I do that? Well, the reason I picked the Proverbs and the reason we've done this 
this sermon series, and the reason we're kind of ending it here today to give you this is I promise you, if over the next month or two months you just do what I said, read until one of these stands out to your heart, write it down, live it out that day, and then pick it up from then, I promise you, if you begin to do that over the next month, over the next six weeks, over the next two months, you'll all of a sudden find yourself going, wow, I'm actually following the Lord more. I'm actually living this out more. I'm understanding this more. Things are coming together a little bit more. And it's life for today. Well, why? Well, first of all, let's point out some things about this. Number one, the Proverbs of Solomon are very practical. You see, a lot of people have this issue sometimes in church where, especially in our culture, we like to, we like to compartmentalize things. Well, there's the spiritual, and then there's the scientific, or you know, there's the things that, that we, we do for us, and there's some things that are good for others, and there's things that are good for me, and not all these. No, there's a, this, the Bible is, yes, incredibly powerful, incredibly spiritual, incredibly awesome, but at the same time, it's incredibly practical. It's something that speaks to issues today. Look at these words. I just picked some. I honestly just went, okay, I'm just going to pick some. So there's nothing magical about the Proverbs that I picked today. I just wanted to demonstrate the practicality of the Proverbs. Look at Proverbs 10, 4. Idle hands make one poor, but diligent hands bring riches. That's pretty practical. If you don't work, you don't eat. If you work, you have stuff. If you get to work, hey, how about you look at someone and go, wow, I really like all those things they had. Okay, hey, work. (laughs) And earn it and get there. It says right here. Idle hands make one's poor. Sitting around doing nothing doesn't get you anything. That's what the proverb says. But diligent hands bring riches. Diligent. They work. They're consistent. They're over and over. They do the things that they're supposed to do. And over time, it brings about the results that it needs to bring. That's an incredibly practical proverb. What about this one? Proverbs 11.2. When arrogance comes, disgrace follows, but with humility comes wisdom. When arrogance comes, disgrace follows, but with humility comes wisdom. What's he actually saying here? Have you ever been in a situation where all of a sudden, okay, I'll just be honest with you. Um, There was a point in time when my position in the organizational chart was not as far up in the ranks, I had a lot of great opinions. You know what I mean? I had a lot of ideas for the people who were above me in these positions of how they should be doing their job better and how things should be working out. And then as God allowed me to get positions of leadership along the way, it was like, oh, there's a reason they're not acting that way. There's a reason they're not doing these things. Perhaps you've been in a situation where maybe you've got a new job and you walk in on that first day and you think, I'm going to make this place the best place ever. I'm going to turn this whole thing around. These people have no idea what they've been doing, but now they've hired me. This is going to be awesome. And you walk in with this idea, I'm going to just transform this whole thing. And pretty quickly you realize it might have been better to walk in and say, hey, I'm just here to support and help. And I want to learn what you know. And I want to help come along. And, and when, when my ideas can bring things to the table, then I'm, I'm, I'm glad to bring those apart. That would be a lot better, wouldn't it? I mean, that's pretty practical, isn't it? That also helps me as a man who sometimes struggles with pride 
to say these famous words? I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, how do we do that? I don't know. It's okay to say, I don't know how to do everything, because then when you are able to say that with humility, with humility, then comes wisdom. When I'm able to look at a situation and go, I don't know that I know how to do this in the best way. I don't know that I know how to handle this. Then God provides the wisdom, usually through somebody else to come along beside you and go, well, let me teach you. Let me show you. Let me help you along the way. But if I come in going, I got this. I know all this. Then that usually leads to a downfall. (laughs) I'll just be honest with you. I think you've heard me say this before. I like cars. I, I can change my oil filters and, you know, mild maintenance stuff on cars. I think at one time in my past history, I did a water pump, Woo, you know, something like that. I don't know, but honestly, right now, if something goes wrong with the car, it's been so long since I've worked on them, I pop the hood open and go, well, the engine's still here, so I don't know why we have a problem, you know, anymore. That's kind of where I am. And when we were on our vacation this last week, we, we were in West Texas, which is just, you go to nowhere and turn left, and then that's kind of where you are. And there was this car that was on the side of the road, and they were having problems. And everything in me was like, I don't know why I'm stopping, because I can't help these people. But we stopped. And it was, do you need me to call someone, or do you need me to go find a park ranger for you or something? And they start explaining to me the problem. Well, it's making this squeaking. I'm like, I don't know. Your flux capacitor's out. I, you know, you got too many gigawatts over here. I don't know what's going. Yeah, I, and so, honestly, it helped because... It would have made it so much worse that I pulled up and gone, I got this. You know, basically, they're saying it's making a squeaking noise. Should I drive it? I'm like, I'll call someone, you know, because I don't, I don't know. Uh, and Walt, you weren't there. I'm a bad man. I'm sorry. Because Walt's the person I usually call on that. So it's, it was making a noise. That's humility. Humility is understanding, okay, there are some things in this life I don't know. And when I actually approach life, understanding that there's things I don't know, then God provides the wisdom along the way. But if I approach life, I, like, I've got this, I know all this, and what's going to happen is I'm going to be humbled and put in my place. That's incredibly practical and strong wisdom. How about this? Proverbs eleven four: Wealth is not profitable on a day of wrath, but righteousness rescues from death. <laughs> I mean, okay, that's pretty practical. And it's also something that should help guide the direction of your life. He's not saying that wealth is no good. He's saying, hey, when it all comes down to it, when the day of wrath is coming and all things are happening, your wealth really isn't going to help you as much as your righteousness is. And so what you need to pursue is you need to pursue righteousness because it's going to help you in all things. And if you get wealth along the way, then keep it in perspective. That's great. But what's really going to help more than anything is that you have righteousness. Those are pretty practical words. There are things all over this book that you can just take with you and live out for the day. Oh, the whole book's good. But take something with you for the day and live it out. The words are also not practical. They're powerful as well. They speak directly to things that we need to hear. They hit us right between the eyes at times, searching our own heart and directing us to pursue the words of the Lord and the ways of the Lord instead of our own way as well. How about this one speaking even in the culture that we live in right now? Proverbs 10, 12, hatred stirs up conflicts, but love covers all offenses. If I just try to outrude somebody else, we're just going to get rude. And it's just going to keep stirring up conflict. But if somewhere along the way we break the cycle of conflict with an attitude of love, 
And let me just say this. I know that we know this, but we'll go ahead and articulate this. I don't have to agree with everything that somebody says, and I can still love them. And even though we live in a culture that likes us to believe that, well, if you actually love someone, then you take everything about them and all the things that they do and all that they say, and you can't say anything negative about it. No, that's false. Because Scripture teaches us that true love will speak words of truth through that love. And I need people to do that in my life, and others need me at times to do that in their life as well. And so hatred, if we're just going to hate on one another, if we're just going to spew bad things at one another, it's just going to continue to stir up conflict. But if I will love, it covers a lot of offenses, and it moves us on. That's powerful. That is powerful. How about this? The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. Fools die for lack of sense. What does that mean? That means when I'm a righteous person, when I am pursuing the things of the Lord, when I am knowing and following Jesus, the wisdom that comes and the things that I say out of my mouth, the righteous things are going to help encourage and bring hope and bring life to those that are around me. But if I'm just trying to figure out life on my own, like somehow I'm smart enough to put all this in perspective and be in charge of all these things, what God's Word tells me is I'm just going to die for lack of sense because my brain's actually not big enough to put all this together. As much as we want to think that, it's not. I love this. Proverbs 10, 29, The way of the Lord is a stronghold for the honorable, but destruction awaits the malicious. There's all kinds of words in here about how God will be a stronghold and a fortress and he'll see us through things. He doesn't help us avoid things, but he will see us through the difficulties of life. And When we hold on to God's word, we'll find that path that leads to life. It says destruction awaits the malicious. How about that? If we just have malicious intent against everything, it's eventually going to lead to what? Our destruction pretty clear here. That is incredibly powerful. And I think the reason I've landed here on Proverbs through the summer, and as we get ready to, for many people, get back into a not summer routine, school starting for some, and you know things get a little bit more organized, I guess, and our schedules are a little bit more routine. So I wanted to leave these words with you to take along your way, because these words are very portable as well. The whole thing is good, but you can take something with you for the day, and it's amazing how God will guide you in this. You can just take thoughts like this, have them with you as you navigate your day. Proverbs eleven fourteen: without guidance, a people will fall, but with many counselors, there is deliverance. I love that. You ever felt like you're alone? You ever felt like hey, I, I think I'm the only one navigating this road, or I don't really know what steps to take or what to do. Well, what God's Word tells us is you seek out the wisdom from other believers, you find that counsel, and they will help you along the way. Because with many counselors, there is deliverance. It's the right way to live is to listen to the instructions and apply those things to our heart. That's portable. I can take that with me. I can remember along the way, I'm not in this by myself. God's provided me with other people that can help. About Proverbs eleven twenty four, I love this one. One person gives freely and gains more; another withholds what is right only to become poor. 
You see, God's heart for every follower of Jesus Christ is to be generous. Generous with our time, with our talent, with our treasure, with our, anything that we have. God's heart is a heart of generosity. And along the way, we have to remember that we're to give that freely away and trust that God's going to provide more. Now, this is not some you know, glorified prosperity theology. I'm not saying if you give God a dollar, he's going to give you a hundred. That's not what I'm saying at all. I am saying very clearly, though, we serve a God who is a creator who richly blesses his followers with all things. And as we take the things that he's given us and share those freely with other people, then God provides us more to share. So I I share this illustration all the time because I think it's so identifiable for anybody who's been a parent and you've gone on a road trip. Used to be on a road trip, had two kids, they're in the back seat, one toy. Two kids, one toy. Two kids, one toy. You know where this is going. There would be that time where they would be fighting and arguing over the toy. It would bring such joy to my heart as a father. It would make me want to pull off to the side of the road, take the toy, throw it as far as I could out in the field, drive out to it, run over it a couple of times, drive back to the road and carry on with two crying kids in the back. They were already crying anyway. They might as well be crying about something. Right? Or... There's the times that there would be two kids, one toy, and you would hear these wonderful words. Oh, you can have that. Or you can share. Oh, it's your turn. Or you can do that. And what it would make me want to do as a father is pull over at the next store and buy four 17 new toys and throw them in the back seat and go, well done, good and faithful servant. You can have more of these toys. And what I understood as I did that is that's the heart of our father as well. When we're selfish with our things, Why bother? But when we're generous with our stuff, then he just wants to bless us more. I don't know what that looks like. It's not a one to hundred technology, you know, thing like that that works out. It is truly the heart of the Father that he wants to bless us. And so when we give freely, then God gives freely as well. When we're stingy, then we become poor. One more. Proverbs 12, 1. Whoever loves discipline, loves knowledge, But one who hates correction is stupid. Now let me go ahead and say there are some children who cannot use that word in their home. You know, so don't say it. And I know you can't go home and go, but the Bible said, no, don't try that. I tried that when I was young. But the point that Solomon is making here is that if we're going to be a person of wisdom who is pursuing the righteousness of God, then along the way we're going to have to realize that we've done some things wrong, that we're not going to get everything right. And we're going to be able to receive instruction from others who want to correct us and lovingly put us on the right path. And when we ignore that or we learn to hate that, then that's just foolishness and it leads to the path of death. See, that's portable. I can remember. I can take that with me. So what do we do with all this? Well, this is what I'm saying. I I, I hope, I hope that you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because He is the beginning of knowledge. It is the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of knowledge. It is the path to life to follow Jesus. It's life eternal and it's life immediate. And so I hope that you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. But what I want to ask you as we wrap this up today is do I trust Jesus for my today as well as for my eternity? Have you thought about that? These words are very powerful. They're very practical. They're very portable. And they will lead you to the path of life. I pray you know who Jesus is. I pray your eternity is secure. But more than that, 
I pray your tomorrow is settled as well and your today is settled because you've chosen to say, I'm going to follow Jesus and he's going to lead me to life.